My name's Evan. I'm one of the ministers here. And so I know I'm not the first to welcome you, but, but I'll say it again anyway. Welcome to our church family this morning. So whether you guys are in here or, or in the cafe or out somewhere in cyberspace, uh, we really are thankful that you are here this morning. So if you have been with us at all over really the past year and a half, you know we have been talking about this guy named Jesus. Over the past four weeks, we, we've talked about Advent and, and his arrival into this world. And then even before that, we went through the entire book of Mark that, that chronicled all the amazing things that, that this man, who we believe is the Son of God, did. And so whenever we look throughout the Bible, we're kind of presented with all these different versions of Jesus. And, and I would be curious to ask you guys, whenever you think about Jesus, what version of him comes to mind? And so you have, uh, especially this time of year, you've got, you've got baby Jesus, right? You've got the, the perfect example of innocence entering into the world that will become our Savior. You have this, this teacher, Jesus, who was able to go throughout, and he said so many amazing things. He did so many amazing miracles. Sometimes we think about our crucified Jesus, the Jesus that was hung on the cross for our sins, not because he had to, but because he chose to do so. But then you think about the resurrected Jesus, right? The Jesus that spent three days in the tomb, and then finally he rose from the dead. And he walked on this earth for some time, and and he gave his disciples some final instructions. But what was interesting, as I was thinking through all of this, it, it really hit me that while these are are some amazing, amazing things, none of these are the Jesus that we actually interact with each and every day. In fact, the Jesus that we interact with today, the Jesus that we have come to worship this morning, when we pray, when we sing, the Jesus that we interact with is King Jesus. And, and again, a lot of you guys have, have probably caught on to that a lot quicker than I did. But in my 35 years of life, so often my default goes back to a, a version of Jesus that I read about in the New Testament, in, in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And quite frankly, I forget that none of those are the Jesus that we pray to, that we worship today. But the Jesus that we interact with each and every day is a king. And so it, it begs the question, who is King Jesus, really? And so what I want us to do today, I want us to talk a little bit about who is this king that we get to interact with each and every day, but also what, what do we do with that knowledge? What is it uh, about knowing who he really is? How does that change how we interact with him? So who is King Jesus, really? Let's look over in the book of Ephesians. Starting in chapter 1, if you look at verse 17 here, it says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ.
from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now look at this. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so when, when we think about King Jesus, we, we think about this king who has power and, and this king who has authority and this king who has dominion. And, and that is the king that we get to approach each and every day. But I would almost guarantee that for every person who immediately goes here, when they think about King Jesus, they think about this this incredible king. For every person who believes that, I really think there's another person that says, okay, yeah, yeah, I I understand that. But when I think about King Jesus, I mean, this guy kind of feels a a little inapproachable. This guy feels like someone maybe I can't really relate to. When I think about King Jesus, I think about the King Jesus that is described over in Hebrews. Starting in in, in chapter 4, it says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest, again, talking about Jesus of ours, he understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not Sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it most. And so when we think about this Jesus, we, we, we think about a King Jesus that is understanding. A, a King Jesus that is full of grace and that is full of mercy. And, and so, it, again, it begs the question, well, well, who is King Jesus really? Which one of these is he? And, and quite simply, the answer is yes. Our King Jesus is not an either-or kind of king. Thankfully, King Jesus is a, is a both-and kind of king. And so while our King Jesus does have power, and he does have authority, and he does have dominion over all things. He also is a king of understanding. He, he's a king of mercy. He's a king of grace. And that is all well and good, and it looks fantastic on paper, and it looks great on this cool little timeline that it took me five minutes to make. But here's the thing. So often... These two ideas of who Jesus is, when it really starts to play out in our lives, it causes tension. And the reason that it causes tension is because I really believe each and every one of us, we have a default. We have this predetermined idea to kind of which King Jesus we serve, to which King Jesus we think about. I know for some of us, we were taught growing up that there was this king that we needed to obey, right? We, we had the sense of duty and the sense of responsibility as, as followers of Jesus, as Christians. And so there was this all-powerful king that we really needed to obey. And, and if we weren't careful, 
we saw the crown and we totally missed the cross. And then for some of us, as we grew up and as we came to faith and as we started to form our idea of who King Jesus really was, we got the cross. We have this understanding, loving, merciful Savior. But if we weren't careful, we missed the idea that there's a crown attached to that cross. And that this friend that we have, this Jesus that we have, is not just someone who's going around giving us really good life advice, but he's somebody that is a, a king and really giving us mandates on, on how we should live. And so the, the real question is, if, if we believe that King Jesus is a both and kind of king, and we know that we default one way or the other, the big question for today and how I, I want to end our time together is how do we live in the tension of who King Jesus is? How do we deal with this tension when it's so hard for us to reconcile that he can be both and instead of either or? I really think the first thing we can do is we can acknowledge that the tension exists. If we pretend that there is only one side of this coin that is King Jesus, then we are missing out on the whole of who he is. I want you guys to do something for me really quick. Think about all the names that someone calls you in a day. At least the names that you can think about in church. Think about all the names that... Ah, be careful, don't poke anybody, but think about all the names that somebody calls you in a day, right? Uh, for me, for example, I think about, uh, I've got three little people who, by the way, were a lot more excited about me preaching than I was, but I've got three little people uh, down here that, that call me dad. Uh, I've got someone that calls me husband. I have several people that call me friend. Uh, I, have, I have people that call me minister and so on and so forth. So t- take just a second and kind of get that list going in your head. What are all the names you go by? What are all the ways in which you are identified during a day? Now, we know that not just one of those is who we are, but it takes all of those to make up the whole of who we are as a person. The whole of who I am as Evan Aldridge is not just a dad and not just a husband and not just a friend, but it's all of those things. Now, once you have that list, I want you to take one of those and just totally strike it from the record. Pretend like it doesn't exist. How different would your day look? How different would your life look? If there was a part of you that you knew was integral to who you were, that people never acknowledged. I mean, how would it feel to know that you, as a mom or a dad, knew that there were people in your life that refused to acknowledge you as a mom or dad. Think about if there was a part of your life that not only were you willing to share with others, but that you knew would help other people if only they would choose to recognize it. And I think, I think we get caught up in that sometimes. I think if we don't acknowledge that there are two sides to this coin, that there is this tension between Jesus as this all-powerful king and Jesus as this understanding, merciful king, 
then we really can miss out on the whole of who he is. So the first thing we have to do, we have to acknowledge that the tension is, exists. The second thing, we need to allow the tension to move us. I, I had planned to get a rubber band, and I left it in my office, but anybody who's ever played with a rubber band knows a couple things. One, the further you stretch it, right, the, the further you move that rubber band from the place that it wants to be, two things happen. One, it takes more effort, right? If you're pulling on, on a rubber band, it takes more effort to pull it further away from where it wants to be. And then the flip side of that is the stronger it is going to pull you one way or another. And, and I think sometimes because we have these defaults, because we have these predetermined ideas of who King Jesus is, that there are times in our life when we need to let that tension move us one way or another. Think about, think about this. How sad would it be if the Jesus that we needed most was one that we pretended didn't exist at all. I mean, and think about that for a minute. When the day is dark, when, when you need that big ask, when, when, when you need cancer to be healed, when you need our nation to be healed, when you need mountains to be moved, I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I don't necessarily want to go to the understanding, grace-filled, merciful Savior. I need the King Jesus who has power and who has authority and who has dominion over everything. But at the same time, when, when I look at my life and I look in my heart and I see the things that shouldn't be there, the things that I, I may be even embarrassed to say out loud, there's no way I'm going to go to this King I need the King Jesus that understands my weakness. I need the King Jesus that that is ready to give me grace and mercy. And what's so neat about this tension, what's so neat about this pool that we feel, if if we look back over in, in that verse in Ephesians, it tells us that the Spirit is given to us as a gift to help us see who Jesus is really is. And so that tension, that that pull, that movement that we have, that is the Holy Spirit working in our lives, trying to give us the very Jesus that we need most. And finally, the, the third point is this. If we acknowledge that there is a tension and and then we allow ourselves to be moved by that tension, the third thing that will be really helpful for us to do is to accept that the tension looks different for other people. You know, we talked earlier about how different people came to know Jesus. And, and, And I really believe this when I say this. That is one of the greatest generational divides that we have in the kingdom of God. 
Sometimes we read so much into how someone came to know Jesus, whether it was they saw this king and, and they grew up thinking that he was someone that needed to be obeyed and, and eventually found a savior, or they found a savior and, and then realized that the more time they spent with him, they knew that he was also a king to be obeyed. I, I really think this is one of the, the hardest things that, that we as, as members of God's family have had to deal with. What I think is so amazing about accepting the fact that this tension looks so different and that it's okay that it looks different, our value in God's eyes is in no way determined by how we came to know Jesus. And so if it's not determined in his eyes, it shouldn't be determined in ours either. So whether you came from a a king and then you found a cross, or whether you had a cross and you found that there was a, a king and a crown attached to that, as long as you have both of them there together, you really do have the fullness of who Jesus is.